We're glad you've joined us today on the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We believe you'll hear a message that will minister to you and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Let's listen now to the message. Let's get going here. I've got some stuff I want to talk about. John Adams, the second president of the United States in October 1798, wrote in a letter to the militia. And I want to read this paragraph out of the letter that he wrote. We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions, unbridled by morality and religion. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. America can't continue unbridled. Biblical morality is a bridle that makes our constitution, our form of government, our country work. When God, God's kids were well taken care of in Egypt. They were fed. When they got out of line, they were killed. They don't have to think. They don't have to decide. When they didn't suit somebody, we just killed you. Okay, so they were governed. All right, now, Moses goes in here, takes them out to worship and to live free. Whoa, this won't work. We got to give you 10. See, hold on. You can't live free. We can't go. We're good over here. You don't need the 10 commandments. We'll just kill you when you do wrong. But if we're going to do, if, if we're going to go out here and live free, and we're going to be free to worship God, and we're going to be free to do that, then, then we're going to have to have a bridle on us. And that's what God did. In the last three years, we've watched John Adams' statement play out in color on TV every night. We hire a few police to control a few thugs, but when the numbers of people turn out to burn and loot... The police stand down because they're overpowered and watch people's homes, businesses, livelihoods that they've worked hard for, watch them disintegrate. Why? Because there's no bridle. We can't coexist peacefully with a culture that's unbridled from religion and morality, and that's what our second president wrote. Well, I personally believe everyone has the right to choose right and wrong for themselves. This has already been tried. Nation after nation has tried that. And you can go back and read 6,000 years of human history, the result of that. Well, I just believe everybody has the right to choose right and wrong for themselves. Okay, you're not a car mechanic and don't have an idea about what's under the hood of the car. You don't know where the carburetor or the fuel filter, either one is, or the difference. So you tell your belief to the mechanic when you drop it off. You, you just say, listen, I want you to know I believe everybody has a right to choose right and wrong for themselves. Make sure you tell that belief to the mechanic because he felt in his heart that it was okay to take your fuel filter out, blow it out 
with an air hose and put it back in and charge you $1,200 for a carburetor repair because you won't know the difference one way or another. The car wasn't working good when you drove it. It worked good when you drove out. So you're happy. Just tell your car mechanic that you believe everybody has the right to choose right and wrong for themselves. You're a nice-looking woman, and you're in an elevator with three men. Why don't you give them your personal belief? I just believe everybody has the right to do what they want to in their own eyes. By the time you get to the 20th floor, you're going to be naked, raped, and your purse gone. I'm a, okay, you, you, you worked your whole life, and you finally got in a position to open your own store and put inventory in your own store. And they felt it was right in their own eyes and that they were justified in a cause to bust the windows out, burn your thing, and take, take all your stuff. And, and, a, and a president that endorsed them doing that. I want all of you young people to think this through as you're being sucked in on TikTok at 3 in the morning about this worldview. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, think this through. You're one woman walking down the street carrying your purse with your week's paycheck in it, and two men are coming toward you. Make sure you tell them your belief. Everybody just choose right and wrong for themselves. Well, your purse will be going that way. When your surgeon comes in, and the anesthesiologist comes in, and you're asleep, make sure you tell them that you believe it's okay for marijuana to be legal. Because I sure want my surgeon and my anesthetist to smoke them a couple of joints while they're cutting me open. Because, you know, I just think marijuana should be unlegislated. But make sure you tell, you young people, make sure you tell your dentist that when he's got your jaw and he says, just a little pinch, you know, that little thing that you say. It's just a little stick. Yeah, right. <laughs> make sure you tell him that you believe it's all right, smoke a joint. See, that only works at 3 in the morning on TikTok. It will work in real life. It's just wrong to teach the Ten Commandments to our elementary students. Make them memorize religious stuff like, Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not bear false witness. Our everyday life depends on biblical morality in the church that infuses a biblical morality in society. Our everyday life depends on that. And you young people on TikTok at midnight with your buddies and y'all are talking about all that, just make sure that you understand your life won't work. As this craziness continues, you just need to know we can build a few jail cells to hold a few thugs. But this nation depends on a godliness to operate. A biblical morality that is above how you feel at the moment that governs all of us around. Our citizens depend on this. Life won't work for us. Life won't work. The police can't control every auto mechanic in the United States. We depend on the vast majority of them having a godly worldview. This last week, I was in a meeting. Terry calls me. The plumber showed up. We've been waiting on him for a couple of days. I happen to know our plumber. He teaches Sunday school in the church up in the country. Go right in. 
he's a lot bigger than she is. I had no concern about the plumber being in our house by himself with my wife. Why? Because he goes to church. Because he goes to church. I'm not concerned about our electrician who came two weeks ago and worked on the lights in our kitchen. I'm not concerned about him being at home with my wife by themselves because he's a godly man. And I depend on a godliness. Young people, think this through before you get sucked in to this idea. Well, Tim, they're good people. Well, Tim, they're good folks. Think this through. My accountant, she's a godly woman. A godly woman. She called me on the phone. Tim, I'm looking at your taxes. We got a little problem here. I think we need to do the other thing. I got a godly woman watching out to make sure. that I don't know anything about doing all that. That's way above my pay grade. But I got a godly woman that's watching out over me and watching out over what we do. Everybody I meet on the street, I'm dependent on a biblical morality. Our mandate from God is to go into all of the world. Don't be overwhelmed by that. Your world is Christian Ministries Church, Southwest Missouri, Hurley, Clever, Crane, Galena, Marionville, Aurora, Republic, Nixa, Billings, Ozark, Highlandville, Spokane, Willard, and Springfield. That's your world. And that's where you're called. That's where you're called. I don't, <clears throat> y'all, y'all know me, I don't, I don't like sermons. Sure don't like a conference that's all theory. What can I do? What can I do? And you know that you're not going to hear from me without number one. Number two, number three, so you came here ready to hear that. Number one. <laughs> I want to give you seven things. I want to give you seven things that identify a culture. And if, if you study culture, you'll find these seven things. These are the things that identify a culture. And anytime you read culture, you're going to read these seven things. I want to look at them. Okay? Number one. Values. Every culture manifests itself in its values. See, values are the things that a society regards as valuable, worth protecting, worth passing on. Okay? What do you value? Biblical values, anti-biblical values. Okay, what do you value? Ask yourself. Ask yourself, young people, ask yourself, would you rather grow up, work, live, get married, raise your family in a culture that operates on biblical values? Or you young people, had you rather grow up and operate in a culture with anti-biblical values? Oh, yeah, I want to go, ooh, I'm anti-values because I want to sleep with my girlfriend. and I want. Okay, now, just think about this. Is that where you want to live? Anti-biblical values? Is that where you want to ask yourself as you're engaged in conversations in the middle of the night with these, I believe it's okay to do this, and I believe it's okay to do that, and everybody's all excited at 2 in the morning back in their room with the door closed, and they're chatting back and forth and standing up for their rights. Okay, do you want to live in an anti-biblical society? And you might want to throw that out to your buddies. 
Do you want to live, work, and raise your family? Tim, what can I do? Check your values. Check your values. What, where, what do you place a value on? Is church attendance a value to you? Well, it is when it's raining. What do you value? Honesty in your business. Honesty in your billing system. What do you value? Your marital relationship is of the high, I mean, what do you value as importance? See, in your community, it's not what you say. It's what you value. What do you value? What values, then, are you instilling in those around you? You instill your values around you, and those others are affected when they see what you value. Number two, priorities. What identifies a culture is its priorities. Every culture manifests itself by the priorities of those who live there. Do you want to live, work, raise your family in a world that prioritizes what God says or prioritizes an anti-God agenda? Now, what's a priority? What's a priority? I want every American raising their kids in church, in children's church, learning, don't steal, don't murder, don't bear false witness. Marriage is one man, one woman for life because they raise and control their kids. And what time are you at? Where were you, son? You get home. See, all that we're seeing on TV could be stopped by an intact family. You go, well, what are you doing? Where you be home by 10 o'clock. Nothing good happens on the streets after 10 o'clock. See, I, want, I just want a man and I want a woman and then I want kids. And the kids are raised. We can't hire enough policemen to control these 15-year-olds with no dad. So you got a dad, you got a mom that are raising their kids. Then when the kids get older, they're making a living. Then they start supporting and taking care of the mom and dad. Ashlyn, you hear that? I'm gonna say, say, and then so, so all the rest homes and all the all I see. Look at all this going on over here for the older and the aging and the problem we have with an aging society. See, I, I, I can't talk about the all that would take place with an intact home. It changes the whole world. An intact home. Now I want to. Pass that on because I see that as a priority. Well, Tim, what can I do? Well, by the life you live in Marionville and in Willard, what do you see as a priority for you? Because your priorities create a culture. I mean, I think it's a great thing for kids to play t-ball. I think it's a great thing. Four, five, six-year-old kids. It's a great thing to play t-ball. But we're not going to play in this league because they play on Sunday mornings. It's, it's the best thing in the world. I think every kid will play T-Box. Well, we won't play in that league because for the next 10 weeks of their season, it's on Sunday morning. Now, is T-Ball a priority? It's a big priority. But it's not above the church. It's not above the church. 
See, we, we got to practice. We got a big tournament coming up. And, and I think practicing and kids out here getting ready, and I think it's a great idea, but not on Wednesday night. See, because my problem. So just in your everyday life, what do you and your family see? Oh, church is a priority. Well, not for you. Five-year-old T-ball is much more of a priority. I'm not signing up to miss the next eight Sunday mornings in a row. You love to golf, love to fish. Man, I, I can meet you for a tea time right after our first service. But I can't miss church to play golf. Look at what you just instilled in your golfing buddy, in your fishing buddy. Oh, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll fish. I mean, I can't wait to fish. If I can be there, look, we get out at 12. I can be there. At 12. I'll come as fast as I can. I won't eat lunch. That isn't a priority for me. I'll drive through. I'll grab me a snack. I won't eat lunch. I'll already have it gassed up. But I'm not going to miss church. See, because that is a priority for me. See, what is your priorities? And what? See, you got to know your priorities are filtering out this way everybody you're around you don't have to sit them down and preach sermon I'll handle that I've been doing this 50 but Tim you're just really you're getting good dear Lord 50 years I was ordained in 1973 I'm kind of getting the hang of this I'll handle the hour sermon you just handle not fishing on Sunday morning from 9 to 10.30. That's our early service. It's an hour and a half a week. See, you instill that into society. I got to move on. Number three. Number three, seven things that show a culture is behavior. Stephen, just address that. Just because you think it's a good idea. See, just because you're, okay, so what are you doing? What's your behavior? What was once appalling, shameful. I, I'm just, I, I don't know, I, I, I just can't do Facebook. I can't. I just can't do it. But on a rare occasion, my wife shows me a picture. I, I, I see why I can't do it. Here's a picture of one of your church members. And they're in the beach. What, does she have any clothes on? I can't tell. And then, okay. Or are you getting it? What is your... Be- and, and, and we used to... I'm, I'm going to tell you, I was a teenager. I didn't live my life perfect as a teenager. But dear God, I tried to hide when I was doing wrong. I didn't take a picture of it and show the whole world, look where I am tonight. Mom, Dad, check me out. Are you kidding me? We're proud of sinful behavior and taking a picture of our sinful behavior and letting the whole world know, look, I'm going to hell right here. Watch this. What behavior do you in your own life demonstrate? It's creating a culture because culture is created by everybody's behavior. This is how we behave. Okay, how do you behave when you're mad? Everybody gets mad. So don't act like, oh, I just don't get mad. Well, that's a lie. On a regular basis, I get mad. Now, some of us get mad quicker than others. I got a real, real short fuse. I get mad real quick. Okay, how do you handle life when you're mad? See, what is your behavior then? 
What's your behavior at your kid's ball game when the referee makes a bad call? Now, the referee out there is working for no money. He's volunteering for this little league. He's giving up his whole Saturday, and you're on the chain link fence screaming and hollering and threatening this guy. Here, you come out here and do this. Are you kidding me? What is your behavior at a five-year-old's ball game? What's your behavior? We rodeo. My grandson rodeos. I got a picture, color picture. The guy drops the flag to stop the time clock. And the time, I mean, they win on tenth. I don't know if you rodeo, but we're talking like tenths of a second. And I got a, a picture of my grandson throws the calf, ties him up. His hands are up in the air, and the guy with the flag is standing here like this. What's my behavior? I can tell you what's coming up in my heart. Because I know where that guy's parked. In a few minutes, he's fixing to walk behind this rodeo arena, and I'm going to adjust his ability to drop that flag. <laughs> what is your behavior? What is your behavior? Somewhere I've heard this. You're a written epistle read by everybody. Tim, I just can't preach. I just can't preach. No, but you could stop beating up the referee. That would be a start. And when the game is over, thank you for volunteering your Saturday with no pay, no thanks, to come down here and ref a ball game with a bunch of little kids that can't even dribble, carry, pass, stay in bounds, and you tried to referee that. I'm grateful to you. Thank you. Say, well, we don't need you to preach our sermon. Just thank the ref when the game's over, would you? See, your life changes the culture by your behavior. Number four, your standards. Your standards. See, those of you who are pretty good at math, you know I said seven. I'm on four. Not, not, carry your two. He's over halfway done. Okay, so here we go. Standards. A culture reflects its identity by its standards. By its standards. Oh, my gosh. I can't watch anything on TV. So I just watch a ball game. Dear Lord, the commercials are worse than a porno channel used to be. Uh, uh, what is our standards? Okay, well, Hallmark. Oh, my gosh. Those actors are from the junior high drama department. You've got to be kidding me. Really? They got junior high kids and their proficiency as actors to be on the Hallmark channel but now every Hallmark show has got to end with everybody sipping their wine and drinking at the end of it and having a party. Ooh. Okay, well, let's just infuse a society. Well, Tim, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, there is something wrong with having a head-on collision with an innocent family when you're drunk. And that didn't start out that way. It started over here. Ooh, ha, ha, just one little, come on, don't even get me started. Do you, do you want to live, work, Raise your family in what's the new normal? Is that, is that where you want to work? Is that the standards that you have for your life? You set a standard in your home by the TV channels you watch. And you need to know your 14-year-old boy knows what channels you watch on TV. You need to know that. What is the standard in your home? This is the way this home operates because this is our standard we're not talking to the lost. We're talking to the church. What standards do you hold? 
Tim, what can I do? Well, what can I do? Well, it begins by checking out your standards for your life. And if you're having trouble with that, they're clearly listed. It's just in the Bible. You can just clearly get some standards right out of there. Number five, (laughs) celebrations. What a culture celebrates is what they elevate. Celebrations always identify a culture. And for 200 years, schools were out for Christmas break. Schools were out for Easter. It just, it wasn't long ago. It wasn't long ago. What's winter break? What? What's spring? I, I remember spring break being such a weird terminology to me. I don't know what spring break. And just in a few years, it's no longer or out for Easter. We're out for spring break. What? Gay Pride Day? Mother Earth Day? What? 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 What a, what a culture celebrates is what it elevates. I'm just, I'm, I'm about to get on a soapbox. I'm warning you. Don't send me a Christmas card that says, have a merry ho-ho day. And don't send me a Christmas card with a picture of you and your family. Don't send me a picture of you and your family with a note in there about what y'all have done this last year. What is humanism? We talked about it. See, I'm, here is what I'm celebrating. Me. And what my family did. If you're going to send me a Christmas card, it better have a nativity scene on it. And it better say, for unto us. A child is born. I don't, I don't get Christmas cards from heathens. I get them from Christians. Get hundreds of them. And one or two will have a scripture on them. Everything else will be a picture of their family. See, what we celebrate is what we elevate. Don't you ever send a Christmas card that doesn't have the celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior. But I want to make sure I send out a picture of my Lord and Savior Holding my dog. That's what I really like. Picture of a family with their dog. Now, I, I don't mind getting a picture of you and hearing about what all you did this last year. Send it to me in August. But not on Jesus' birthday because I'm celebrating him and his birth because Jesus is my Lord. Are you hearing me? I was so thrilled that Stephen offended everybody in here. <laughs> For unto us, city of David. <laughs> what in the world is the church doing? What in this world are Christians doing? We drive by Christians' yards at Christmas, and we've got to blow up reindeer, and we've got to blow up Santa and a sleigh. Think about if everybody that sits in church would put a nativity scene in their front yard. Oh, we're mad that they've taken nativity scenes down at the Capitol. Oh, we're mad. Do you have one in your yard? What if every 
church member had a nativity scene in their yard and every family that drove up and down, some little five-year-old kid would say, Daddy, what is that? And he, a heathen, would have to explain about the birth. It's not the world I'm worried about. The church has removed Jesus' birth from Christmas. Christians have removed Jesus' birth from Christmas. Come on, what we celebrate is what we elevate. And now Christians are elevating themselves and their family, and we're not elevating the birth of our Lord and Savior. As a speaker, when I'm writing my messages and outlining them, I've got notes in here. It will be very quiet. Don't let this affect you. See, that's what it says right over here. Because, see, then I know. So you're not affecting me. So now I'm sucking this up to move on to my next dynamic point. Because, see, over here it says, they will be glaring at you at this point. So that's kind of the way I prepare my notes. Don't, don't feel sorry for me. I'm good. I was prepared for this moment. Number six, morality. One of the clearest indicators of the nature and the health of a culture is its morality. Prostitution, pornography, child porn, bestiality, legalized drugs, no intact homes that care for children, grandparents, great-grandparents, friends with privileges, 100% of world history, 100% of world history shows a moral failure in a nation. Brings up. How does the greatest nation in the world fall? Who defeats Greece? Who defeats the Roman Empire? How, who overtook them? Who overtakes? Can't nobody overtake the United States. We can win any war, any war in two to three days. I mean, nobody defeats us. But you look in world history, a moral failure collapses the nation. You know, but you've seen, we don't do it very much anymore, but imploding big buildings. You put, you put detonating devices in certain locations, and the building doesn't just blow off like this. It just comes in like this. Doesn't even get a brick over on that side of the street or that side of the street. Just come out here. That's what happens. These are detonating devices in strategic points in our society. And when you push this button, we got a bomb right here in marriage. We got a bomb in here, and we don't even know what gender we are. We got, a, we got here where everybody here is high. Everybody here, everybody drives, works, lives, thinks high. So we got the, so, boom, boom. Here we come. Here we come. We just one push of a button away when we got these bombs on the foundation pillars of our society. Boy, I just, I love looking at porno. It's just, I go in my room and it's just kind of my escape. Boy, I just love coming home and having two or three or six beers. Or I just, I, I don't doubt that. See, uh, it's just, it, it, you're, it's just one more step closer to. See, 
Here it comes. Here it comes. Clearly, it's fun to do. Well, nobody do it. Clearly, it feels good. Nobody do it. Clearly, you like it or you wouldn't keep doing it. They want your family. What, what happened to our marriage? Golly, come on, Tim. Just, well, I mean, it's just a little porno. What's about? Everybody does. Okay, it's just every, everybody has a little drink to relax from. Huh? Everybody, come on, I'm just, come on, Tim, it's no big deal. But 20 years later, what happened to my marriage? How did we get here? A little sippy, a little sippy. Number seven. I expected some smiles and ecstasy right here because we are at number seven. What can I do? It's relationships. A nation reveals its culture by who it makes alliances with. Who is our country in alliance with? Who's our nation aligned? We used to have free, moral, that's who we, now we're making alliances. We're sending money and supporting nations that are communist, that are heathen, that are anti-God, that worship other gods. So now our, see, you can identify a culture by who it makes alliances with. And so you can with people. Does your social life, just your friend group, Revolve around church members. I, I rope. I'm team rope, calf rope. But I do so with Christians in my church. So I do so with Christians in my church. That's who comes up to my house in my arena. And then that night, in between our runs and while we're sitting there, we talk about the sermon. We talk about youth group. We talk about kids' church. We talk about what happened in the last conference. And so, see, there... That who do you make alliances? Who are you hanging out with? Who are, who are you hanging out with? And one of our speakers, uh, uh, all of a sudden I went blank on which one, but one of the speakers, show me your friends and I'll show you where you'll be in a couple of years. Yeah. Show me your friends, I'll show you where you're going to be in a couple of years. See, the reason I can do that is, is it only happens every single time. That's the only time it happens. It just only happens every single time. Here was a guy, really amen and really unplugged into church, but started entertaining, whatever. Started golf or tennis, whatever, whatever. Started hanging around these guys. And then, okay, so less, and okay, then they, they had to do something else on Sunday. Then they had to do something else. Okay, so a little, little over time, five years later, we look up and so-and-so hadn't been church last year. What happened to him? So what happened? Show me who you're hanging with. And I can show you where you'll be in a couple of years. Just one step away, just one step at a time. You don't just, you know, I woke up this morning and I, I just had a real desire to be an alcoholic and lose my wife. Everybody I know hate me. They get my house. All my cars are gone. I think it'd be a blast to sleep on a park bench. You know, when it gets real cold, they've got some shelters I could go and sleep in. I think that'll be fun. I think I'm going to do that. No one's ever done that. No one. What happened? Just one little ha ha Just one. Okay, then two, then three, then six, and then okay. See who you hanging with? 
Who do you connect with? Who are your associates? Who do you entertain with? I may want to mess up, but we're on vacation. Nobody can see me. Dang, I came with Ashley and Michelle. Whoa, shoot. Man, it's Friday night. We drove by a place. Now, it's all black. I couldn't see inside, but, well, they had some pictures outside. I'd like to. Why don't we have to have Nathan and Sandy and Jan and Sherry in the car with me? Golly, I could have pulled in there. See, it, your friend group does, helps you overcome the lust of your own flesh. Oh, Tim, you mean you? Yes, in a heartbeat I would. Why? Because I got a carnal nature. I have a flesh. I've got a sinful nature. And so I want to make sure that I'm surrounded by people in my back seat that will go, I think it's better if the pastor doesn't go into that. Seven things that identify a culture. Values, priorities, behavior, standards, celebration, morality, and relationships. Tim, what can I do? We're all going to hell in a handbasket and I'm just overwhelmed. There's nothing I can do. Well, here's you seven things that in your personal life, in your home, in your family, with your kids, here's seven things that you can go and work on. We talked about this several years ago. This was a big soapbox of mine three years ago. But God did not create us to go to heaven. God didn't create us because he needed another angel in the throne room. He had a heavenly host full of angels. If you read Genesis, he looked around and go, oh. There's no man, help me out, to tend this garden right here. Now, thank you, Lord, we're going to get to go to heaven. Thank you, Lord, he made that provision for us. But he doesn't need another angel in heaven is why he birthed me. He put me on this earth because there wasn't nobody to tend to Garland County, Arkansas. Some live on a dirt road on right off of Highway 7 and Woo, we got a patch of weeds down here. And, and I grew up rabbit hunting in this swamp. And that's, that's a worthless piece. He needed somebody to come in here and build a campus that has a school, that has an intern program, that has a church, that has conferences. See, what, now, thank the Lord I'm going to go to heaven. But that's not the reason you're here. It's to tend the garden in Marionville and in Highlandville. That's the purpose of you. I just, there's no call on my life. Well, I just gave you seven. Tim, I've never had God speak to me. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a youth leader. I don't know what I. Here's your call. Here's your call in your personal life, in your family, in your area with the people that you're around. Are you tending? Are you growing? Are you producing the culture? All of you young people, are you tending, growing, and producing the culture that you want to live in? That you want to raise your family in? All of this sounds really good in a liberal college classroom. Sounds great, but it won't work 
out here when I drop my car off to the mechanic. I need him believing in some biblical morality and some absolutes. That's what I need him. That's what I depend on. Are you being sucked into an ideology that destroys life for all of us? What culture, what culture are you protecting and passing on? I want to close with this. Many of you, some of you too young, but many of you remember the, the devastating hurricane that hit New Orleans several years ago. Devastating, devastating. Many hadn't put this two and two together. The hurricane was bad. It was a bad hurricane. But the hurricane didn't cause all of that destruction. That's not what caused the destruction. See, there were levees in place that were meant to hold back that hurricane that hit that coast. What devastated, wiped out, annihilated lives was that the levees didn't do what they were put on. It's, it's not the way the world is going. That's not our problem. Read, just read 4,000 years of history. I mean, my Lord, we had visitors and getting stormed and dragging out and let us have sex with the men you got. It's, it's not, that's not our problem. Our problem is the church is a levy that God placed in society to hold back the storms that come to destroy us. And New Orleans was devastated because the levy didn't stand up, hold up, and do its job. When I say the church, that's you and me. That's you and me on the golf course, in the fishing boat, on the basketball court. That, that, that the church, it's not a meeting on Sunday morning. It's you and me every day. Every day. Tragic. You go to churches and you can't tell if you're in a rock concert with a motivational speaker or if you're in a place where God's power and anointing is convicting the hearts and the lifestyles of the people who live there. See, God does not skip the church to fix the culture. God works through the church to fix the culture. And the church brings biblical solutions to problems in the culture. Church, we got our assignment, but don't be overwhelmed. I can't fix the world. Well, the good news is God hadn't called you. God's called you. Your assignment is Hurley, Clever, Crane, Galena, Marionville, Aurora, Republic, Nixa, Billings, Ozark, Highlandville, Spokane, Willard, Springfield. God's answer is coming through Christian Ministries Church, Southwest Missouri, and that is you. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.